Table Talk is not your typical D&D TTRPG podcast. We are not here to run you through our whole campaign. We're here to talk about everything else in the space of Table Talk. I'm your host, Alejandra Wilhelm. And I'm also your host, Mariah Gresham. And we're your tabletop roleplay girlies. All right, and we're live. Mm-hmm. Whoop, 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 whoop. So we are so excited for another guest episode. Um, yes. We have brought on the Slovenly Trolls podcast which we have both been huge fans of since we started Absolutely. our own podcast it's, it's definitely been my i've been binging it while i like lift and stuff and it's it's good content. incredible incredible um yeah would you like to introduce yourselves ladies oh well first off uh i'm so honored that you listen to us while you lift because that means you're way more strong than either of us physically and i respect <laughs> the crap out of that oh no i'm chronically ill <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm really just trying to beat back the severe exercise intolerance that i have because pots Oh, oh yeah, so yeah, lightly. yeah. Oh yeah, we have a friend yeah, who, yeah, yeah. who is uh, basically about to be diagnosed with POTS. Like we know for sure, so a hundred percent get it. <laughs> yeah, shit's wild. But, uh, yeah, I, hi, I'm Charday. Sorry, yes, I, I'm Charday, the best host of the Slovenly Trolls podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the host, the hostess with the mostest. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am Lissa, the best R host of the Slovenly <laughs> Trolls podcast. Ooh, wow. uh-huh. Check. Can't me. even use proper grammar. So listen. <laughs> yeah. Well, proper. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean anything, you know. It's it's all about reputation no. and mm. you know a competition between you Listen, and me. Must assert dominance. Yeah, exactly. If you walk through the world with the confidence of a white man. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do what a white man would do. Would a white man send that DM? Do it. Yeah. You know? Do it. Yeah. If they send that email. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Okay. Yeah. Pull pull that energy and walk into the doctor's <laughs> office and be like, I would like to perform surgery. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yep. Just walk into the next hospital that you see and ask to perform brain <laughs> surgery. And I'm sure it'll go very well. Like, give me the brains. <laughs> give me the brains. Give me them. I'm qualified. Uh-huh. I would like to spoop them. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, would you like to tell us a little bit about um, your wonderful, wonderful podcast for our listeners? Oh, well, um, I guess I think we're also probably going to talk about the origins, too. But I'll just give like a, a TLDR yeah. of it, like what the podcast is. And then I'll let Lisa handle the origins because she's much better at telling that part. So our podcast is basically we're a monthly podcast and we're a feminist D&D podcast which is two words that for a while didn't go together, but we made them fit because we're stubborn. And we look yes. at the uh, very problematic past of D&D uh, from original D&D, like OD&D in the 70s, all the way up till fifth edition. And we basically pick a topic every month, do a deep dive on it, contextualize it like, hey, when was the time this was written? Who wrote this? What's their background? Just trying to understand why these things were written and trying to come at it with the benefit of the doubt. We have our own biases, obviously. We have a very 21st century feminist perspective, but we try to at least understand where they came from and also encourage people to also understand where they came from so we don't keep making those mistakes and do better and make our whole community better, make your personal tables better, wherever you are, whoever you are listening, hopefully you could take something away from it. And also we cite our sources because we are nerds <laughs> who like that kind of stuff. And Academics. our a pet peeve mm-hmm. is when people say stuff and they like just cite 
and don't actually cite what they say. So we make sure to do that. So exactly. in case somebody tries to fact check us, we're like, nope, we nope, here's the passage. We got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way my like little nerdy fucking brain like was listening and like noticed y'all said like was were citing sources and like messaging Ollie like <laughs> this is awoken something within me. <laughs> of, like the part of me that very much misses um like academia, yeah. academia yeah, yeah, yeah. and like school. Yeah. And I'm like, I would I like think, to peruse. I think part of why we started citing our sources from the very beginning was because we started the podcast right after we both graduated. So we still had that mm-hmm. academic mm-hmm. mind. We both love sure. writing essays. So yeah, we, do. we really <laughs> find a lot of like joy out of having cited sources and pride because we know like that's just how our brain worked at the time and we've kept that up Mm -hmm. and I'm so glad we have because it's just it's such a good thing to have when you're like online in discourse and you could just like randomly cite a dragon magazine article like have you read (laughs) this thing and it makes it's great (laughs) I love it you're like hey talk shit get hit here's my (laughs) yeah exactly like here's the archive.org like if you really want to (laughs) read like listen yeah incredible and then did you want to tell us about the origins as well oh my gosh Um, it's a good story so i think lissa should yeah i can uh so actually we hearken hearken back to uh, (laughs) yeah (laughs) there we go uh we hearken back to my university days so i did my bachelor's uh here in the uk in london so we are a transatlantic podcast and we are in two different places in two different time zones which is you know fun for a podcast <laughs> and technical issues, That's but yep. mm-hmm. later on the uh, about that later. Um, but yeah, I did my bachelor's degree uh, in graphic design, and you know we had this sort of project where it was all about like looking at hidden communities. And I thought, as a person who just found D anD D, who just gotten you know that like obsession or like not quite obsession, but like you know I just found the new cool. Thing that I can dedicate my entire life to and, you know, hyper-focus on. Yeah, like hyper-fixation. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 That D&D was my like hyper-fixation. I'm like, there's no better D&D, commu- hidden D&D, or hidden community, rather, than, you know, like two groups of women playing D&D in their own houses who are not, you know, like, we're not publishing anything. They're not like posting anything on social media, not recording anything. Like it, it was so you had to be there in the time and place and mm-hmm. in that location kind of thing that I'm like, you know, this is a hidden community. There's I'm in two groups of them already. You know that what what if I just look at these two groups? And so I did. And so we had two groups of all women and I began, you know, like doing this investigation, asking people questions, looking at sort of the similarities between the two. And one of two things was very like overall, like the big thing was that we were sort of I made this joke that we were religious in that we took D&D very seriously, but we were also hailing Matt Mercer as a god. And yeah. yeah, that was that was one of the big, like, obvious things. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to make it like, because I have this thing with religion. You may or may not know if you listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, I have a very complicated relig- uh, relationship with religion. But yeah, I was like, you know, we're we're just we're just going to go with this that, you know, it's Matt Mercer is God. And, you know, we're all hailing him <laughs> mm-hmm. as, you know, this icon. 
Uh, and then the second thing that sort the tri- of the triune, yeah, 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 yes. yeah. There was a holy tril- trinity in everything. Yeah, um, incredible. And then the second thing was that I realized that after asking and talking to like all these players and asking them questions and like sort of really going into the minutiae of like comparing their characters to their personalities and like really doing this like in depth investigation because you know I'm obsessed with this topic. <laughs> I mm-hmm. noticed really. if you don't psychoanalyze your friends, are you gonna exactly yeah. exactly? And I just noticed that, like, or it, it kind of occurred to me that, like, were we playing feminist D and D? Was like an all women's group something that was out of the ordinary? Now I know that, like, it's not necessarily out of the ordinary, but like to me, as that like young youngling of D&D who just started and I talked to like a, a bunch of people online and most of them I I think I did like a Twitter poll or something and I was like how many of you play in all women or like all sort of non-mask groups of D&D and it was like a fraction of people mm-hmm. were only playing mm-hmm. in these groups that were not mixed or that they were the only woman in the group or, like, the only non-mask person in the group. And I was just like, okay, there's something here. And so I was like, okay, what can I bring it to this? And it sort of combined and boiled down to, like, the essence of what it was, was that I was like, okay, are we playing feminist D&D? Like, what is feminist D&D? Like, what does that mean? And then, like, doing a whole deep dive into, like, what themes we were talking about, what uh, our characters were doing, like psychoanalyzing all the <laughs> players and the characters. And I, I made like a whole publication thing about this for my uh, uh, degree. But yeah, they like doing questionnaires and like finding out these tidbits of information, which I have some of the information, like if you're interested. Uh, 100%. I was about, faces I was about to say, I was like, one send that shit to me. <laughs> um, but it's also beautifully designed, just, first off. And like, you can see oh. when you, like, re- if when she sends it over to you, you can see, like, it's so weird because this thing was published like a year before we started the podcast, I think almost to the, not to the day, but like pretty close. Like you, yeah, you handed yeah. it in and you can see like the color palette is super similar to like the color palette we use for the Slavonly Trolls, which is this like hot pink and black and sparkly kind of motif. And like mm-hmm. you can see that in the design that she did. And I remember looking back at that and I'm just like, that's so cool and weird. <laughs> like who would have thought? Because <laughs> yeah. this whole project took place this- like a year before. It was it's nuts. And then like we had yeah. like an inciting incident during quarantine that were like where people were having a bunch of discourse about D&D online about some old like trudged up uh Gary Gygax quotes where he, you know, mm-hmm. self-admitted to be a biological determinist. <laughs> and we're like what what does that mm-hmm. word mean? And then we looked it up we're like, "Oh, that's not okay." And then <laughs> like like that's bad information. That's to have real now. bad. Quick question, what is a biological determinist because I've never heard that. Biological determinist is somebody who believes that somebody's innate talents, personality, they that's tied to their biological sex or race. So if you are a woman, you oh, are wired yeah. to like certain things. If you're a man, you are wired to like certain things. Same with any other race. It's, it's very Freudian. It's, yeah. And like what I'm you're what you're born shit. with 
how you're born is what you yeah. are. And yeah, it's like in the discussion of like nature versus nurture, it's very much nature, like yes. your nature dictates how you will be. If you yeah. are a certain race, yeah. you will always end up like this. You are, If you are a certain sex, if mm-hmm. you are a certain sexuality, you will always yes. be something. And like the problems that come from that was just like, and like just... And just reading some of the journal articles that were like linking some of these themes to biological determinism, mm-hmm. we were just like, oh, yeah. And my how, God. like, it's like tied to eugenics. And we're like, wait, the creator of D&D is a, like, he, he literally, with his full ass, like, put his full ass out there on a forum and said, I am a bio, as a biological determinist, I don't think women oh. are wired to play D&D, basically. And we're like, what? And so we, like, yelled at each other for probably a good week about this, like, back and forth during quarantine. <laughs> we're like, what is this? What the crap? I don't understand what's happening. And then <laughs> there was also another tweak, another uh, quote going around on Twitter from one of the 3.5 edition D&D creators, Jonathan Tweet, that also said not something as extreme as biological determinism, but also at a little bit of a sexist statement like, oh, well, you mm-hmm. know, the hobby is way more catered to men because of X, Y, Z. And we're just like, well, that's stupid. It shouldn't be. And so we had like these discussions for like a week. And then we we're like, I don't remember which one of us said it. I think it was me, but at this point, I don't know. I'm like, we should have like, we should start a podcast or something. <laughs> like we, we, like this is yeah, yeah. Very, we were having because our conversation wasn't just yelling. At a certain point, we were just we wanted to figure out well, why was Gary Gygax the way that he was? Like somebody just isn't just born a biological determinist. Like what yeah, happened so, in his life? Mm-hmm. We were we started doing research of our own accord to try and understand what was happening. And then yeah. at some point it was just like, because I, I was doing research on, you know, like on the background of Gary Gygax or like this. And we found like nworld.com.org. And we and I went crazy because that's my favorite place to find oh, information no. and look at, uh, you know, misogynists arguing with each other. <laughs> um, not to say that all of them are misogynist, but it was They're so definitely not. Like They're definitely not, but a vast majority um, of some but, of the older articles are, or some of the older forums are a lot. Yeah, it, but, but like just arguing amongst themselves where there's like a misogynist and a non-misogynist, and then they like yeah. argue amongst themselves about D&D misogyny. And I'm just like, it's, it's, I, I love it. But anyway, so like we started doing this like background research. And then at some point, mm-hmm. like if it was Sharday, I can't remember, but like she said, like, should we do a podcast? And I'm like, well, we have all of this information. We were basically like... <laughs> already yeah. like trying to find the truth of what was happening yeah in this one topic anyway yeah and and then like coming from like having just me literally finished my academic degree mm-hmm. it was like okay compile the sources what can we do with this mm-hmm. we created an outline and then yep. we were like okay what if we just say this out loud so yeah. it became each episode is like a verbal essay with sources, and then we you know structure it so you know. You, Except you, we like, swear a lot more. And, yeah, it's, um, it's, we're a yeah, lot more about it. Yeah, <laughs> when we talk about grass, the demon, uh, a slightly more opinionated, <laughs> not like that you know detached academic point of view. Slightly more yeah. opinionated mm-hmm. uh, in where we come from. I mean, we have to be all. We have to also be like funny and stuff like that. So we have to take stances. Be entertaining, be entertaining. Yeah. yeah, because like yeah. it's so much easier to consume information when you're being entertained, right? Which is why exactly. Yes, you know, you watch a TV. I much rather watch a documentary than read an essay sometimes. 
sometimes, but sometimes I will read an essay. But if it's written in such a dry way, it just I have so many opinions on why academic writing is awful. But I, this is not the time or place for it. But you know, like, yeah, it vastly depends uh, for me on what it is and who's writing it. Like if it's if it's a topic of interest to me, then I can plow yes, through. Yeah. So I also spent a like a large portion of my life thinking I was going to be an attorney, mm-hmm. so I Oof. got comfortable with dry writing yeah. real yeah. early. Uh, so, sure. like, I have a high tolerance for just fucking uh, writing, slosh, yeah. but it's better if if it cannot be that. It is. I, and it I can do be, like and it's so annoying I- that it's not. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, like, academic writing is very similar to technical writing in that it prioritizes information delivery yeah. above yeah. all. Yeah. And, like, nothing else matters. Yeah, but Which it, is And when you add in... Yeah opinion and everything then you well it's you lose credibility i mean you don't really need to add an opinion to make it legible (laughs) like to yeah exactly i could give an entire lecture on how just one lesson for these academic writers in passive voice could just be like change their life like do not use passive voice use active voice put your subjects at the beginning of your sentence like it is yeah it's so basic and the fact that like i mean it also just gatekeeps information like if you don't have high reading comprehension if you have like something like dyslexia or anything like you shouldn't be gate kept away from information that should you know further your learning like communication is so key using the right rhetoric is so key and you can absolutely do that without making it opinionated but academia is like this self-serving circle jerk of people trying to sound the smartest. Yeah, basically. I mean the inherent elitism of academia is not a soapbox. I yeah, uh, <laughs> that will be the topic of the yeah podcast yeah I, oh. if I the allow it to be. Yeah, it's um, very like because gate gatekeepy as well. Yeah, it it's it's gatekeepy, very gatekeepy yeah. and it's all it's all a I game. Yep. And it was a game that I was very good at playing, mm-hmm. so it benefited yeah. me. But it was also like as I watched, you know, friends and other people around me go through yeah. it. I was like, this is not something that everybody is just built yeah. to succeed Which in. Is a- and this is not a framework yeah. that is accommodating for everybody to learn. No. And that sucks. Really there sucks. was a period in time in college for me that um Am am not the craziest academic, we'll admit, but uh, there were certain classes that I like really excelled in, and whenever we had to take like some some advanced like history courses, I was like psychology and like psychology yeah. courses and history cor- and other things. Um, people love to come to study groups with me because one, I understood the subject very well, but me summarizing those topics to other people was very entertaining. Yeah, yeah, and like I would make it. I would I would be sitting here talking to you about some like psychology study mm-hmm. in like a very yossified way. Yeah, yeah. right, and, and it, in a they yeah. like, I retain way. so much yeah. of this in an excessive The yossification way. of awkward. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, let me like, tell you about this little bitch and what, what <laughs> yeah. they study. And they're like, I love Yeah, this. I was a uh, – during my <laughs> master's, I was a seminar tutor. So, like, I had my own little seminar group of little writing students, little writing babies. And they mm-hmm. – like, they didn't understand iambic pentameter, I remember. And, like, also we were covering in my mm-hmm. master's program just, like, as a overarching, like, hey, here's a reminder. You can write, write a sonnet or whatever – and like we were also yeah. covering it and I was also kind of teaching it. And like they they flat out did not understand what iambic pentameter was. And I just like got I got up on my soapbox because as Lissa and maybe 
members of our <laughs> soft in the audience know iambic pentameter is the way to my heart um mm-hmm. so i like got up on my soapbox it's so good it and really it's so, so easy good. to understand if especially if you have a music background mm-hmm. it's very rhythmic so i have a music yeah. background so i just got really like i was drumming on desks i was like having my dead poet society moment like going around mm-hmm. and this kids like the, the students loved it and i'm just like oh it also just comes down in academia to like having a professor or having a teacher a lecturer who's passionate about the subject and who wants you to learn and isn't just lecturing at yeah. you. Yeah, like that's absolutely. So, yeah. Any yeah. subject, exactly. any subject. I don't care if it's law. I don't care if it's engineering. I don't care if it's the arts. Like having good teachers who want to be there and who want to teach and are not being like forced to do it is so important. Like it's so important. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. I love when we got off on the tangent 100%. of academia. I love that. <laughs> I love that for us. Listen, <laughs> the... the- the, the premise is like we, we ramble first and then like maybe you get some DMV yeah, knowledge. Yeah, I hope yeah. possibly. Yeah. Um, so we just got the shit in early. <laughs> we like name our we... episodes in post. <laughs> in post. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's whatever the fuck comes yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but to very flawlessly um, and professionally segue. Um, <laughs> seamless transition. The topic at hand, uh, because the slovenly trolls specifically um, are so good at addressing it, um, is like feminism in that TTRPG space. But mm-hmm. also what I wanted to touch on is like getting into the role of a DM um, as a woman in that space, because mm-hmm. I believe now officially every single one of us, because we Miss are. Mariah ran her oh, first game. Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's especially interesting for me going into that because, like, I've played for a while and, like, the people I run, running Vampire the Masquerade, like a modified Fall of London Mm. for, and I fucked myself because I didn't just follow the book and I let everyone make their own fun and spicy characters (laughs) that have their own complex backstories that tie into, like, the whole court of London. So the first goddamn session, I was like, cool, I have to. Like, you're going to play your characters. I have to play the court court of fucking London. So that's (laughs) great for me. Um, Amazing. But, like, the amount... And, like, I'm I'm DMing for, like, three of my best friends. Right? right? Like, I'm DMing for people that I'm inherently comfortable with and that are excited to be here. But the amount of anxiety i had throughout that process like even when we were making characters because the character creation have y'all played any like world of darkness games no. or like not yet not yet it's on play. our list though yeah yeah um yeah when i get more comfortable running we can run like a little <gasps> yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. like yeah yeah Yes, yeah, please. we can just I'll like you all be like god tier vampires and go blow up a city oh, i think yeah. i just heard um Lisa just like have a moment silently to herself yeah her let me live my carmilla fantasy <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> uh but so like the character creation process it, it's one it's a really narrative focused rpg so like we're role play hoes so it's perfect for us right and like from the vibe of y'all i think you guys are similar mm-hmm. so but the character creation process is very different than D mm-hmm. and is very intensive and so it's like you have to go through all of these like abilities and then skills and there's like you kind of walk through all this whole setup process of like what your character did before they were embraced and then it's like cool now what have you learned and developed and grown after you've become a kindred and i think the first when we made ollie and bex's character that process probably took uh, uh, a, a cool like five to six hours maybe. yeah and like the yeah. whole time 
like all I am Bex having a great time and having a great time and digging through my like four source books. And I was panicking and like I'm like, this is taking too long. This is so fucking complicated. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not an authority on the own game I'm running. Like this is stressful. Like they're annoyed. I'm I'm like I'm not doing this effectively enough. Like I shouldn't be running this mm-hmm. game. And and then, like, I would periodically do that thing where you just threw out the apology that no one asked for to try to tip position. And I was like, I'm literally shopping for my ability. And, <laughs> and I'd be like, I'm sorry, it takes it's taking so long. Like, as Ollie and Bex, like, lean up like gremlins from the book, and I'm like, yes, ma. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, cool, cool, cool. And, like, after the fact, um, they were like, yeah, no, like, we weren't bothered by that at all. And I'm like, cool, so that was just me and my brain. Well, I'm I'm so uh, sorry then, to break it to you. I've been DMing for five years. That doesn't go away. Um, You got to break it. <laughs> like, I yeah. wish it did. But every time I DM, yeah. there is one moment. And I don't know if this is tied to, like, being a woman and being a woman in society, a feminine society, and just, like, having all these, like, having the need to apologize or feeling inferior or not feeling like you're up for the, the job. I don't know if it's connected to that. It absolutely might be. But, like, every I cannot tell you the last time I had a session where I didn't think that I royally fucked up and like my players hate me they hate this game and I'm the worst (laughs) like I wish I didn't feel that way but I I if anybody that's listening has a remedy for that I'd love to hear it because literally same because like yeah after we played the first thing like for my head like went through and everyone kind of had a vignette of their own and then everybody met up and ended up in the court and kind of got interact with the prince and like ended up getting a like mission to go on to get sort of her goodwill and be recognized I didn't drop as a, a coterie, deer carcass in the middle of the court <laughs> which I was prepared for you to do because like all his character Revna is kind of like a viking yeah. that is just like bunch of fuck shit with that hot, character but hot, um, muscle hot, mommy hot, 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 giant like <laughs> six four Slavic M- muscle, yes, yeah. so so mommy. much woman, mommy. Sorry, mommy, um, sorry. Mommy, yeah, sorry. Li- literally, yeah. So, but like after we finished playing, I was kind of like, so like, how did you guys like? Did you guys like it? And they're like, yeah, we had fun. And immediately, my brain was like, they're lying yep. to you. Yep, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it just for me, of like, I know for a while, like in our previous campaign we played mm-hmm. with that male dm i had told him point blank about like the first time i run anything you can't play in it <laughs> because i am too intimidated by because he was admittedly like, a very good he was like, a very DM. good dm and like he mm-hmm. he often was the dm I so bet, when yeah. he got fucking let out of the cage yes. to be feral a player feral he behavior. would be a fucking menace well, that's, and i'm yeah. like i can't that's pretty- and like that's understandable, yeah. But I'm like, I, Your first time I DM. can't have can't you, that, yeah. Like, I can't That's do valid. that. And Good it's for just, you for putting up that boundary, though. Seriously, there was always like that sort of insecurity, and then I was like, okay, well, I feel comfortable like dipping my toe into doing this with Ali, Bex, and Alyssa. Yeah. But it was still, if I'm like, I compare. Mm-hmm how i feel like when ollie runs our strixhaven campaign and like how i feel like you embody the npcs and like i'm not doing a good enough job or i'm not being dynamic enough with that or like whatever i built up in my head because i'm also a writer and so it's like fictional characters fucking live in my head all the time and i have these very dynamic scenes and it's easier for me to write them than be in the moment 
right yeah. and have to improv yeah. my way through it and it's hard to not look at that and feel like it's lackluster yeah because um, I, I'm also a writer right so I, I have two degrees in fiction writing so like I have just characters in my head all the time and it's it uses there's so much there's so much crossover between being any sort of like if you are a script writer if you're an actor if you're in any sort of artistic kind of thing where you need to think about these fictionalized beings like there's so much crossover to being a dm you already have like a half full i would say like toolbox of stuff but there's so much control you have to let go of when you become a DM that I yeah. – it took me a while. It it honestly did. I think it took me about like almost a year, maybe six months minimum to really like – because I heard all of these things. I'd been railroaded by other DMs before. I had that urge. I'm just like, no, you're you're my characters in my world. I want you to do this. I know you're going to have fun. You will have fun. <laughs> and like, you know, mm-hmm. letting – Yeah, it's like it's a good, it's a good story. story. Trust me. <laughs> Why are you going left? But like – Letting yeah. letting go of that, like, and having who knows when that epiphany will come, but like, it's a completely different side of your brain because letting go of that oh, absolutely. control is, and some people can't do it, and that's completely fine. Like, you, you, nobody's forcing you to DM. I think everybody should try it at least once if they play, just to understand, like, absolutely. and empathize with yeah. the DM a little bit more for sure. But like, especially as like, I, I empathize with you as a writer, like. What you're feeling is completely normal and it will go away eventually. And also, like comparing yourselves to other DMs, that took me a while too. And it took me maybe like mm-hmm. over a year to do. But on top of that, like you can steal stuff from other DMs. And when I learned that, I'm like, that's better. <laughs> like, True. so if you, yeah. it's, it's highway robbery yeah. out here. I've been like, snatching it, left and it's right. Encouraged. Like, I steal stuff. Yeah, from like Matt Mercer, Brendan Lee Mulligan, Abria Iyengar. I steal stuff from them. I steal more stuff from the DMs that I have. So, I have from my female DM, from my uh, male DM. I steal from all of them, and like everybody has their own mm-hmm. style, and you will have it, and you will have a completely unique style that is unique to you so that Mm -hmm. and then hopefully build up some amount of you know confidence after that to be like yeah I'm not my friend you know Susie I'm not Matt Mercer but I have my own style and my players are having fun and that's literally the only thing that's all that matters yeah I think that that like finding your specific style is so important because like I remember for yeah I had the similar issue because again had the same DM I also was like hey chief you're not sitting at my table if I ever pick up a fucking DM screen I'm so sorry Mm -hmm. Uh, at at least not at least not for the first few games because like I need to feel good about it yeah which may have been a warning sign to us if we (laughs) weren't comfortable enough to have it there were a lot of warning signs in (laughs) if I don't trust someone not to fucking humiliate me in front of a group of our friends yeah that's probably something there probably something But, um, yeah, and, like, I remember I, I had that issue of, like, I compared myself so much to him as well as, like, other, like, Brennan Lee Mulligan. And, right. Yeah. And like, pie like in the sky yeah. kind of And I remember I even used to have, like, self – I was very self-conscious playing – like, I couldn't, art like, have a male character because I felt weird about me not being able to have a masculine voice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm kind of like that, it got too. It got in my head. So I was like, how am I ever going to DM if mm-hmm. I can't, like, have a diversity in yeah. that? Right. Yeah. And – 
I remember the first time I watched Abria yeah. play, like on Dimension, or like DM on Dimension she 20. She changed everything. And like, too. she made me she changed so everything. much more confident as a woman, as somebody who can't do voices. Like, I'm like, <gasps> yes. And then yeah, when she same. got all that hate, so I, w- I was just like, you motherfuckers stay away from her. Like, I, I would. <laughs> I would brawl in the streets for that woman. I would die for her. I don't care. <laughs> like, I would hunt her haters for sport. Oh, my God. I think she liked one video of mine on TikTok, and I probably exploded. Oh, my God. How have you ever recovered? Did you frame that notification? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I have a screenshot of it, 100%. I screamed about it to my friends. We had a lot of videos Content. that, like, went went like semi semi viral and got like uh, enough traction there that I think I got on some some public eye yeah. and like I remember seeing the notification I was like surely this is a fan account right surely, surely. Yeah. yeah it's like a Bria Iyengar one yeah like, and I look at it and I'm like no that's her no, that's her that's, that's her oh my god I'm so jealous uh, and also so happy for you <laughs> yeah yeah screened but like I she changed everything yeah. for me and like uh, I was like, oh, okay, like I can, I, I don't have to do the character voices. I don't mm-hmm. have to be a master of accents. Um, I can, but what I can do is like change inflection and change gestures and, like, and change physical energy. Acting is yeah. a huge part of it too. And your and yes. your in- intonation, your intonation, and like how you speak. Like I, I played two characters um, simultaneously in the two groups, and like we had a crossover. Oh, cool. And I was always afraid of like how people would be able to tell like which character was which but then you know i i brought it up one after one of those sessions you know after this crossover and then people were like oh no we we could tell because like your whole body changed when you played because yeah. i was playing mm-hmm. like uh, a very femme presenting like tiefling and then this very like gruff uh half orc barbarian so obviously they had like completely different like personalities like mm-hmm. and and like ways to speak like physicality, physicality and like apparently it's, it's just like it, when you embody that character mm-hmm. with like the gestures that mimicking their speech patterns maybe they they say things in a different way like my half barbarian like would would speak less but when she spoke she spoke with a purpose yes mm-hmm. yeah. so like it, it just it naturally comes out and you can do those changes easily and it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be like you you make an Alvin the Chipmunk voice and suddenly like you're changing yeah. character and then you yeah, have right. like, this Australian accent suddenly because I, I would find that so difficult to be able to like get my brain to switch mm-hmm. gears especially if like two characters talking to each other to be like this is Alvin and then going like hey <laughs> hey down under <laughs> yeah. down under me. and not just be like loony yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember when I was DMing like I was really nervous about that too because my uh, wonderful amazing group of idiots whom I love so much um, you know, you know how groups do. Um, they adopt NPCs mm-hmm. that you did not fully flesh out. That always happens. They're just like, oh, here's yeah. this uh, human himbo guy who has black hair and uh, he's just here. And ah, ha, ha, he's the quote unquote half brother of a halfling. Ha, ha, get it? Joke. But he's like a full mm-hmm. human. But they're brothers. How does that work? And then one of my players is like, ooh, pretty human. And I'm like, oh. 
shit. <laughs> yeah. And then I <laughs> like what's his sign? Yeah, oh, basically, yeah, she was all over him. And then she actually didn't end up with him. One of the other players did. It's a whole story I could tell. And you're like, <laughs> to you guys later. But... You know we're you know we're in a fantasy world and you could go for any other race, I know, but, human, but apparently right? there is just something. But also I, the one who originally went for him, she did have something in her backstory where she was a drow, she fell in love with a human, so it was my fault, honestly. Uh, she was like in the my also fault. you made him and a himbo. Like I didn't even realize I did. When I first started playing him, I don't think I had his personality fully out. But then when you guys started taking him places, I had to roll his stats. And the poor bean rolled a a nine. And I'm like, where do I put that? And I'm like, well, I think it'd be hilarious to have a warlock who's real stupid. So I (laughs) that's what I did. I put it in his intelligence. And then I was really... Sometimes the dice take an NPC from you and yes, run with it. Yeah. And like they, they just wanted to travel with him, which was great. They were connected to an NPC. I'm like, okay, I got to flesh this guy out. But I was really nervous because I'm like, I'm a woman. I can't do voices very well. Like, I don't know how to do this. I'm not giving him an accent. Like, will they be able to just see like this character or me? Because again, as a writer, it's way easier, in my opinion, and when yeah. I write, to be like, yep. this is this guy's personality. You, you don't hear my voice voice talking and you know forming the words yeah. you read it on the page but then yeah. my one of my players uh she just made a comment about like i think during the game and i think this was when we got a little bit tipsy on moonshine i think this was that same game <laughs> and uh she she made a comment just like i can always tell when because i think i maybe made a comment I'm like oh i'm sorry like do you know if i'm you know the npc or this and like I can always tell your Nile, which is the name of this character, because whenever you talk through him, you put your hands on your hips and do a hero <laughs> pose. And I'm like, I do? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, like your back straightens up. You like have this very like, like weird, funny like all my pose. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know here. that. <laughs> It's not real. It's incredible. I always find it, I find it so interesting that like that is like a pretty universal like insecurity of like the voices yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then when you think about it, it's like yeah. But also, I'm looking at these male DMs and like yeah, they can do voices, but like they by no means sound like a woman when they're trying Absolutely to sound feminine. Not. And <laughs> feminine <laughs> characters. They True. just have the male audacity to try it more than we. Yeah, do. They just yeah. have the male audacity, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, why can't that be me? And I was like, bitch, it is you. Bitch, it yeah. is you. But like, the patriarchy sucks and yeah. making us feel inferior. <laughs> Like there is, there is like that except. I feel like Bat Mercer is an exception because he is a sound machine. He's a voice actor. The whole cast of Critical Role are voice actors. That's what they do. They make sounds. Exactly. Interesting sounds. To be fair, they they put that right on the tin, and like it's like the second thing they say, where Mm -hmm. it's like we do do this as a profession. Um, But yeah, it's funny how we will all compare ourselves. Yeah. yeah, but it's like even even then they yes they are voice actors, but like you listen to Matt Mercer play a feminine feminine character mm-hmm. or a feminine presenting character, and like yes his voice softens and goes yeah, higher, but it's, but like it's not a woman's the, voice. Yeah, and like and and we have the same ability to like make our mm-hmm. voice get a little gravelier and a little bit lower. We're just insecure. Yeah, <laughs> we just don't have honestly. This is a this is advice to all femme presenting uh, DMs out there. Just have the male audacity if you want to do that. Voice voice try it like your your group will not if you have a good group if you have a great group of people they will not judge you they will be they'll be your cheerleaders <laughs> like it'll be mm-hmm. good you'll be okay just walk through the world like a yeah but yeah but yeah, do, really? but do it in a voice yeah. that you can actually talk in because let me tell you we did uh we recently recorded a promo for our podcast and i had to do this like very gravelly voice 
I could not mm-hmm. keep doing that voice, even if I tried oh, no, yeah. and like keep a straight yeah. face can and you, actually um, make fully fake sentences. Can you can you like give us an example or like uh, a little, little sample? <laughs> yeah, uh, sample? Let me let me. I am Kaloka. <laughs> Incredible. Already. So yeah, it like I cannot fully like make sentences with that voice. So right. choose a voice that you can actually use and like communicate. Yeah. It's achievable. It. It's comfortable. Yeah. Or they just have to have like I am Groot energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's yeah. just like they say three words. Yeah. I mean, I have like I have I I'm literally DMing a Strixhaven campaign, so I have a a, a metric fuck ton of NPCs of between of like professors yeah. and other students and whatever shenanigans yeah. are going on um so i'm i'm switching so much that i'm like I'm, i look at my players and i'm like hey yo if you're expecting accents if you're expecting a lot of different shit it's not happening because i have to switch so often right. but i do think like y'all have commented that i do that like shift in posture yeah um, we don't even notice it at all yeah and then like i think uh <laughs> i do have the benefit of being a switch um, it's yeah. also that yeah you're just a very dominant woman i am a dominant woman um and so whenever they're talking to like their male potential love interest right. yeah that that you energy just, does yeah. shift you would say some just wild, wild shit wild shit and i'm like and i know like, i know my girls i know what they like to read i know they like these toxic morally gray oh men my and god. i yes. give it to them on oh a silver my platter. god yes and i'm like both me and my character need a fucking moment <laughs> yeah i'm like so how like, many love triangles are we on add more yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. for all those years of reading like fanfic and smut and just use that shit <laughs> like, oh my games are a glorified dating sim app basically with, like, yeah. i love that plot yes. somewhere yes, in there yes, yes. which that's what that that is what fall of london will be too and why we're I'm, it's a very modified fall of London because we can't have lunch. We need time for like horny shenanigans and we can't have. So like we're tabling the Inquisition <laughs> coming to like find all the fucking yeah, different priorities. Like, I priorities. want my girly pop drama with like my gay vampire husbands yeah. and yes. like everyone trying to take down the court and all that good shit. Yeah. My Viking does need to go slut herself out with every woman. And- Listen, oh, yeah. That's yeah. another good trait to have as a DM. Know when to put the main plot on the back burner because your players just want to bang some some people or like want to romance somebody want to chase this side quest whatever you could put it on you know the back burner for a little bit just so people can have a cheeky fun time for sure like throw a rave who knows like (laughs) have fun literally like i i feel like it's a lot and i thought i would have the problem where like when the first time i dm'd i would have too strict of a plot in mind and i i would lean toward the temptation to railroad but because of like my fucked up victory or death orientation toward a lot of things, <laughs> I went all the way to the opposite side and I said, I'm not going to plan jack shit. We're going to improv all of oh this, God. which is also probably why it was anxiety inducing yeah, for me that to run. Sense, yeah. Because yeah. like I didn't even like we're operating on a new system. I know the most about the system, but none of the other player like none of us have played right. it before and yeah. so i'm like i don't have copies of people's character sheets i'm like i don't know what fucking dice what your good dice pools <laughs> yeah. are and i'm like trying to figure out what's happening and get you into some situations that can kind of fucking make yeah. sense and literally the night before i was looking at the fall of london book and i'm like okay how can i unfuck this <laughs> um and and then after we play we left it at a point where i'm like okay i think i know 
how I can get us moving toward some of the bigger NPCs and plot stuff. But, like, I was so unprepared to run that first god. Yeah. I threw myself, like, fuck a frying pan. I just went directly into the we mouth of hell. We could not have told, if I'm going to be honest with you. I, like, I have such a hard time believing that because I could not have been flying more by the seat of my ass. Listen, listen I get that. But, like, when I tell you, like, we had such good, like, individual vignettes Aww. that you, like, orchestrated. You Aww. ran us through, like, the core and, like, what, like, bringing us all together. And I loved every little interaction that, like, our character has. I get it. The imposter syndrome is real and we're going to get it. Yeah. It's yeah. just. But, like, we had a great fucking time. And uh-huh. I am so looking forward to, like, all the wild ass vampire shit. Because especially our coterie is a mess. It's, it's a fucking mess. Yeah. Yeah. DMing is a completely valid like strategy to DM too. Like I just ran into like a TikTok that was talking about like how somebody like became an improv DM because like they were having such a difficult time being somebody who planned everything and even like being in the middle of being improv and plan was just wasn't their jam and they just went fully improv because that's just what worked for them. Yeah. So like there are so many different styles that you can do and you will definitely in like your early DMing career, whatever, like stint, uh, try on so many different like types to find the right fit for you and then It's always like do whatever brings you joy as the DM because your fun is just as important. It's just as valid. Yeah, Yeah, everybody – and I think like everybody should be having fun. Mm -hmm. Like I I would recommend if you've never just fully fucked off for a session and said let's see what chaos occurs, it's interesting. I don't think I'd recommend doing it the first time. (laughs) Um, Noted. That's a a bit much. Probably like yeah, just do, don't fuck yourself completely. Yeah, What's, um, I'm I'm finding it interesting because like I in my experience DMing, I like I kind of be- became a DM out of necessity um, because our group you know had our fallout with our respective like our our previous DM and we love all as a group to play at a physical table. We're mm-hmm. not like I have some online games, but we definitely have I a- have one too, but it's I'm much. I'm much more invested in my in-person We have a big love for, like, an in-person game. Mm -hmm. Um, And none of us were DMs, but, like, out of the two, out of the four of us, like, I was probably, like, the most experienced. Ollie and I were the most experienced, and then Ollie owned, like, all the fucking books. I did buy all the books just to look at them because they were pretty. Um, And so I was like, well, if anyone's going to run it, I think (laughs) I've already invested (laughs) in this hobby. monetarily speaking um and i was definitely like feeling comfortable like around y'all and stuff and like yeah i think i i definitely did some like a lot of planning for like our one shot and then our Mm -hmm. first official session um and then after a couple sessions i was like reading reading the room and i like because of like the you know you like you said you can never plan for what your your chaos goblins are gonna are gonna do at the table and it'll start taking you down different paths that you didn't account for but like some cool stuff comes out Mm -hmm. of that so eventually i started taking note of that and like restructuring my games a little bit where i have like i have kind of a format Mm -hmm. in this respect of like i give them vignettes of like what do you do in class what do you do in your free time kind of thing and then there's like they can kind of fuck off and do whatever they want um, and I put little plot hooks here and there and they just pursue what they want. So I kind of have taken a structure where it is a lot more improv Yeah, I've relinquished a lot of control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an overarching, like, yeah, I know where the plot is potentially going yeah. and like different things. I've got it like, I got the big bullet points. Yeah, yeah. like, you know where certain beats are. Like, I know where point A is, things. I know where point 
B is and whatever is going to happen in between, I kind of leave it up to y'all mm-hmm. and I adapt to that. That's taken a lot of stress off yes. of me, um, especially when prepping because um, I just like I just have to make sure I know the big points. If there's like a combat I might have to prep, I prep that. And like outside of that, it ju- it is what it is. And yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I like have I'm I'm I don't know. Like I have not had a moment. We call it DM drop kind of like sub drop um where post session you get that like moment of like you're hypercritical yeah. um you're second guessing whether people had fun um you're thinking you didn't mm-hmm. do as good a job and then like our like we mentioned our old dm did had that pretty much every session and we had to give a lot of validation and reassurance that like we did in fact have a great fucking time yeah we used to play fucking eight to 12, 12 hour hours sessions so she's that ravenloft campaign mm, yeah. and like loved every second of it and we'd be like then the very next morning we'd be like tapping our fucking wrist being like can can i, I have another an idea, hit yeah please? yeah like i had to drive <laughs> some more everyone else lived in houston <laughs> yeah and i live in austin so i'm like i have to drive four hours home however however if we technically play from like 8 a.m to noon i'll still get home <laughs> right at a decent amount <laughs> of time, time. Um, so, but I have not, I have yet to experience that, not to say I never will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think relinquishing a lot of that control took a lot of pressure off of me. Yes. In that yeah. respect. Um, and then I think I'm also like, I remind myself a lot of times during the session to like, while y'all are having your moments and I'm kind of sitting here like watching reality TV play out <laughs> before my Those eyes. Are the best moments. Uh, <laughs> I make sure to have like pretty intentional moments to kind of take like st- take a little step back and acknowledge that like I'm watching y'all and you're actively having fun in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so that yeah. gives me a lot of validation towards the end of the game because like y'all also check in on me. You're like, hey, are you are you okay? Like, are you feeling good? I'm yeah, like, we check in on you after. Yeah. Because like I had those moments of like, notice that your players are having fun notice that they're laughing notice that they're crying notice that they're like you know really invested in that moment in Mm -hmm. that story and in each other's stories and like use that to validate your yeah your insecurities and your experience and that definitely helped me after writing that first session as well and i also think like many things therapy is a great tool and so it's like i knew i was going to be hypercritical of myself Mm And so, like, when I was, when I wasn't shocked, and then it's that thing of, like, well, if you ask and people say they enjoyed it, and you assume, since these are your best friends, that they're not lying to your face, (laughs) then you have an obligation to believe them Mm -hmm. and not, like, rake yourself over the coals for an imagined error. And so I think that, like, I would not have had the ability to do that probably you know a few months ago a year ago but now i'm at a point where i can be like okay i will believe people when they say i did a good job or that they enjoyed something i did i think Mm -hmm. i think a lot of it is like especially coming from well i guess for me it was like always having to pretend to be this like very meek and proper woman in society and like that gender role that was placed upon me by my parents I I get this anxiety of like, am I doing the proper thing? Am I playing the proper part? And it's always yes. that like mm-hmm. anxiety of overthinking what is my part? Where am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be? And instead of like just yeah. being me and yeah. mm-hmm. finding that empowerment to be like, no, I will take your words at face value if you have a problem with me, you will bring it up to me 
And I'm not going to read into it because I, I went to like a self-improvement seminar, um, which is partially the reason why I got into d and I think that is. That was like an inciting yeah. incident for you because that's how yeah. you met our one of our DMs. Yeah, but I went to like a self-improvement seminar where essentially you do therapy together in a group setting um, with like a, re- mm-hmm. a bunch of strangers. And it's very interesting and like it, it's just a weekend thing. And one of the only things that I came out of it, well, one of the big things that I came about from that thing uh seminar was essentially just if if you don't know ask and uh, don't assume that you know other people because i am like uh this uh, overthinker i will overthink the most like me meaningless things mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. consider like a b c possibilities and go to like from the best possibility but more focus on like the complete worst possibility, and like yeah, yeah, um, it, it, and it's kind of like doom, like thinking about the doom and gloom of everything, and like that seminar just kind of made me come to the realization that okay, things may not just be that way, and I can just you know be in the current moment and accept what is being told to me. Like, I, I can overanalyze people for hours if I wanted to. Like, did he mean this? Did he for mean sure. that? Did she Absolutely. actually mean that? Are we actually friends? Is she just yeah. a backstabbing mm-hmm. bitch, you know? Like, I, I don't, <laughs> like, I could, I could spend like years, like, overanalyzing people and pretending to know <laughs> where they're coming from. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's just, I guess, my hyper focus. But, like, just accept things as they are and yeah. I think that's like such been such a freeing thing especially for me to like just be like if you have a problem with me tell me if you don't I will assume you don't if you don't like me just don't reach out yes. like and we'll yeah keep going want to like just pause it like I wonder if anybody eventually will like do some sort of study on female presenting female identifying D- DMs just to see like if this is like I, I've talked to all of my DM friends of all, you know, throughout the whole spectrum and every single one of them has some sort of doubt. But I wonder if women are more willing to, you know, talk about that more than men usually are, because mm-hmm. we just did a couple episodes where we really deep dived into like toxic masculinity and how it's not only affecting, mm-hmm. you know, women, it, it also affects men really harshly. Because of, you know, how society, you know, puts us into this binary and you have to be this way and this way. And it's not that, you know, it's only one gender feeling this way. It's that we're probably just more open to talking about it because we're more open to talk about our feelings because society has kind of conditioned us in a way to be like women have feelings. It's It's more acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also women in general have that community with each other where we've instilled like it is okay for us to open up to each other about our yes. emotions and men do men and masculine presenting do, people don't typically i do remember not. like yeah. i had to like there was a very serious family situation like probably 10 years ago now and i the first thing i did was open up to all my friends about what was happening like i was just like i need to tell people about this and i need to tell them like how i'm feeling and i need to tell them so that they know if like I'm feeling a certain way or if whatever, like I need to tell them like so they are understand mm-hmm. we on the mm-hmm. same page. I had to my I have a younger brother. He's two years younger than me. 
And I had to like push him to tell one person. I'm like, you need to tell somebody what's happening right now because it's going to emotionally affect you. Like it is going to happen. Yeah. Like we talked about it. Like we cried about it. Like we, it's, we, he talked to me about it. I'm like, you talk to me about it. I will always be here for you, but you need to talk to somebody else about it. And all of his friends at that time were other men. And it took him a month to like open up to one of his male friends to say what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I just, that just reminds me of that. It's just like there, anybody is capable of talking about stuff at the table. Anybody is capable of saying that you're not perfect all the time and it's okay not to be perfect all the time. But sometimes you just need that push and that community. And I mean, that's what hopefully the D&D community is becoming because now D&D and tabletop games are so much more open because people feel, and in marginalized groups, people feel so much better and more accepted because we're more vocal mm-hmm. now because of, you know, X, Y, Z happening in the real world. And like, we're kind of fed mm-hmm. up with stuff. Right. And we're like, fuck this. Yeah. We're going to say our opinion yeah, and you're going to fucking listen. A purple haired elf. Yeah. yeah. So we're in our anti capitalist orca. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. anti anti patriarchy, anti capitalist, anti all of this stupid postulating that's going on in the world that doesn't fucking matter like <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah and yeah. Fe- and like building this community within D&D just to if if you love I love D&D but we've been getting a lot of criticism recently online like saying if you hate if you like D&D so much why do you criticize it so much like why are just you play pathfinder it and reviewing it yeah and i'm just like mm-hmm. critique doesn't but equal hate like no, are you no i well, don't critique equals yeah care. critique it yeah. does equal because care. if you if you didn't if you didn't care you and you didn't it. enjoy it yeah yeah then you wouldn't consume it it wouldn't affect you yes. you wouldn't like it wouldn't you wouldn't be concerned about the environment or how people feel or how people are affected by things but because it is part of your life and you're invested Mm -hmm. then yes you have an obligation to make the spaces at least i think you do have the make the spaces you were in leave it better than you left healthy and better and welcoming and accepting and there's a big difference between uh like critique is always coming from an aim in its nature Mm -hmm. to improve and make the thing better improve and find the places where where it could it could be better and there's a difference between critiquing something hoping to you know activate change Mm -hmm. and have it grow and have it become better and then just like a plain old hateful then attacking yeah yeah it's constructive criticism versus critiquing just to hear yourself yeah which i think i feel like there's this this inherent like gatekeeping history in like and this toxic masculinity in like mm-hmm. nerd culture where yep. if if you are anything but masculine and you are trying to enter this kind of geek masculinity uh which is the nerd community and the gaming community and probably TTRPGs too so if you are anything but like what it, they deem as acceptable to upkeeping their kind of masculinity you are automatically like attacking and they go on the defense mode like change is bad i know Um, from their point of view this is their safe space because they are not you know the whatever dominant masculine that you know these hyper sports people are that are the typical images of 
what is like considered traditional masculinity. So yes, we understand this is your space and we're trying to enter it. But, you know, like change is difficult, change is scary, but like it it's like it's not a bad change. We're trying to share the thing that you love. We're trying to come in and like rejoice in the thing that you've built and like yeah. share it and like that's yeah. what they're not understanding is they think that we're attacking whereas we just want to join and share like just because yeah. you got there first doesn't make right. you any better don't than become the villain the person coming in yeah 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 it's like that stereotypical like i like i've been playing video games since i could conceive a video yeah, game same. um but like that uh that's that stereotypical of like gamer guys who are like man i would love if i could find a girl that yes. plays video games oh but then the envi- the environments you create for oh women God. in the space are so volatile yeah. and uninviting mm-hmm. any any woman who plays a game on like twitch who's in the twitch sphere i have the most my massive God. respect for oh them my as God, a person yes. because yeah. i tried an mmo once when i was pretty young to be fair so my memory of this might be different but i remember how i felt i don't remember what was said but i you know, entered an MMO, they found out I was a woman and it didn't go well. So that is the universal experience. You see these clickbait videos on YouTube even now where, you know, men pretending to be women online so that they can see what women experience, even though women have been saying this for fucking years, but you have to experience it yourself to really listen. Like create an open environment. I just don't understand why people don't want to grow together because the more people are in your hobby, and I mean, I hate thinking about this from a capitalist perspective, but the more like money goes into it, the more people are playing what you love, you're going to get more of that thing, right? You're going to get the next video game. You're going to get another TTRPG book, you know? But it's a power struggle. I feel like what it is, is like they are in their power in this community. Mm -hmm. There are these other people coming in that are inherently to in their mind eye changing the community so the power is going to change the what they have deemed as power in their current hierarchy is going to change when we have people who are not like these people coming in the power dynamic is going to change and you know geek masculinity is not going to be geek masculinity anymore because there's not going to be just masculines Mm -hmm. there so they're in their mind's eye they're losing power to the people coming in, and that's I feel like Which where is, you get that, and it's that same concept friction. of society, right? It's just like the people, like think of it, like you're uh, like these people at the top, these usually masculine identifying white men. They're at the top. They're at the top of this. They're they're on this platform, and everybody else who has their own platform, um, any marginalized person who doesn't fit into that group is in their own platform. Nobody wants to bring that platform down. They want to rise up their own platform so that we're all equal. Like nobody yeah. is trying to tear you down just because that's the way that they have been taught to get power themselves by tearing other people down, by, you know, um, closing off their emotions so they don't feel bad when that happens, like by, you know, not embracing your emotional side by just, you know, having your eye on the prize and don't let anybody get in your way. Like that same mindset will like kick in and be like oh people are trying to drag me down when literally they're just like their hands are on like the little mechanism that's just trying to get up their own platform to get on your level nobody's tearing you down man like nobody wants to do that and it's 
it's it, it extends to every part of society, but it you see it just it's such an interesting case study, like in geek culture and mm-hmm. even in our little yeah. micro community of TTRPG because you see it everywhere and we say it every on every one of our episodes like the big bad evil guy is not gary gygax the big bad evil guy is not like jonathan tweet it's not um ed greenwood who created the forgotten realms they're not the villain here the patriarchy is the capitalism is like the sure. vietnam the way, war yeah. the way that brennan like, this is <laughs> the way that brennan lee mulligan is about capitalism oh is how i am about patriarchy they, oh yeah. my god I'm, yeah. I'm using that like yes like like i feel about the patriarchy what brendan lee mulligan feels about capitalism absolutely it gets so it's also i think i think the 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 big pushback also is like we had an episode where we covered like the differences between like mask uh and femme and queer like tables and also like having mixed Mm -hmm. tables and what that entails and how that affects the Mm -hmm. game um and i think the big pushback is also like for d like for dms who have probably done this for a while and they've only dm'd for like male or mass presenting mm-hmm. people uh is that you have to shift what is focused in order mm-hmm. for your all of your players to have fun and like at a mixed table um i i like to think of it as like when i've seen the shift happen of like being the only woman to suddenly it's like maybe 50 yeah. 50 yeah we just had it in my monday campaign where i there used to be only one woman then i joined and i could tell that like the story started to shift a little yeah. bit um and then uh, my, my one of our players Alyssa also joined so now it's 50 yeah, 50 mm-hmm. and like the the shifts in the dynamics there but it's all positive because it's like it's a the, that whole group is very super combat oriented and like mm-hmm. they're they're so skilled uh there are specific classes and like i referenced this before they they helped me grow <laughs> in my in my combat prowess and stuff but also the the story is like just as important and has a bit of that element and i think for dms it's like you might have people that are just they just want to be murder hobos and run through a dungeon and collect yeah, that's, 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 that's a valid way to play it. and that's yeah. valid yeah yeah but if you start having a mixed table and suddenly like the the dynamic has shifted, um, the pushback might be like mm-hmm. I've gotten comfortable with the way that I'm running games, yeah. and now I have to start adapting yeah. and catering, and that can be uncomfortable. Change is scary. Um, you know? Change is scary. I've also had like experience where we have this place called uh, it's an organization called Bar Haven. Um, here in Houston, that they host one shots at bars every day oh of the week. Oh my god! Like at six from six p.m. forward, and it's like a group of DMs. They set up a tables. You show up with a three, like a level three character sheet. You sit with strangers. You drink. You have a one shot. It's a great oh fucking. Oh my god! Story. That's amazing. It's incredible. And like at the end of the night, you have uh, like you pick a player at your table that you've chosen to be the VIP and you pick someone else to be their bard. And so then the bard has to basically speak to the crowd about why their player is the VIP of the night and you win a prize. Um, Every time my group has gone, we've won because they put me and like the, uh, the the other DM that we used to play with mm-hmm. as the bards, and we are very extroverted, <laughs> very yes. outspoken, sure, sure, sure. very charismatic like, individuals. Sa- saleswoman. Yeah. yeah, and so everyone, you know, is like, this is this person, and they did all these great things. And I'm like, I'm grabbing a physical chair and standing on it in a bar, yeah. screaming yeah. about my friend. Yeah. And like giving a full standing ovation, and they're like, "Well, clearly it's this. <laughs> I will, yeah, I will be long dead like, in the ground yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> before someone outperforms me." Um, I forget where I was even going with that. <laughs> <laughs> like different, like group dynamics uh, and stuff. Yeah, really different group dynamics. Yeah, and so like 
Uh, da, 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 da. Wow, I really lost my train. <laughs> Same, I fully because I started talking about that. Um, but yeah, in general, I think it's just the 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 shift. Yes. Uh, in that like being uncomfortable and that's the pushback Um, and if you're at the right well I also think if you're at the right table the shift is a good thing so I what I was going to say was I kind of had a little bit of an example of that so I maybe about a year and a half ago I joined a new table which was my first ever well not really my first ever after my iffy first endeavor with like a mixed table in my adulthood because I played D&D way back in the day I don't even remember what we did in 3.5 like I was 10, 12, something like that. I don't remember what happened. So like my, I had an iffy first experience as an adult with a mixed table. And then my next experience was with half the people I knew for like 10 plus years. And then two other people I didn't know very well. And it was a mixed group. And I was kind of the newbie in this friend group. And I evened out. No, actually, I made it a female-dominated table, technically, because it was even. So the DM and one male player and two female players. It was like, 50-50. 50-50. And then I was the shift to it being three to two. And I came in and my remember the DM literally like pulled me aside and he's just like, before you came to my table, nobody had ever had sex in any of my games ever. <laughs> and nobody ever got laid. And I'm just like, oh my God, I literally, I did the woman thing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. But like, do you want me to like turn off the horn? Because like, I don't even know where that came from. That's just what the vibe was. I was just going with the vibe and I just really wanted to sleep with that dwarf. I mean, listen. And he's like, and he yeah. put up a hand. He was like, it's a great thing. I just wanted you to be aware that that is what you did to me <laughs> at this table. Oh I just God. wanted you to <laughs> know like that you that's came. what you contributed to this friendship. Right. And they were, we had like our ex, we had the ex card. We had everything like laid out. Like here are my no, no things. And if that happened, we were okay to put up the ex card. Um, so, and nobody ever did. So when he pulled me aside, I'm like, oh my God, like somebody forgot to put up the X card. I went too far. Mm-hmm. I feel so bad. But like, it was embraced after that moment. And then everybody became uber horny after that. And it is the best. Open release literally did. Uh, I don't know how, but because I just thought I was just doing what I usually do at my other tables, which are all female or like we all identify as female. <laughs> like, so I was just bringing in that feminine horny <laughs> energy mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. to a new mixed table. And they fully embraced it. They were just like, yeah, this is great. We'd never done this before. It was a little bit to get used to, but honestly, like it, what it was a, the best decision for that table in that moment. So, like having change isn't doesn't have to be a bad thing. It just really depends yeah. on who's playing and what their mindset is, and if they are open to that kind of change. Letting people of other uh, genders and sexes in, letting people uh, in that are other races than them, like. Just mm-hmm. a diverse table is a better table in my mind. Absolutely. And I just I just want people other pe- I just want everybody to understand that. Like you don't have to, but I'm Absolutely. just saying like there is a there is an inherent like benefit you get from getting all of these different perspectives. Not everybody is in an area and like where diversity is like a big thing. Like if you're in a predominantly black area, if you're in a predominantly white area, if you just have friends of a certain race or identity, like everybody's table is different. But I just think that you should, you know, be encouraged to broaden your horizons whenever you get the 
uh, opportunity to. And the fact that people just flat out don't agree with that is baffling to my 21st century yeah. feminist brain hole. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah. why, kind of why we do the podcast, too, the is just hole. like trying to understand that perspective and where that comes from. And like, is there even a chance to like change their mind maybe? Or is there a chance for us to be more empathetic to that mindset? Which yeah. there has mm-hmm. to be some sort of middle ground. Like we can't just yeah. all hate each for other. Sure. <laughs> like, Absolutely. It's exhausting. Yeah. No. We need nuance 100%. on the internet. Yes. We know it doesn't exist, but we can try. God damn it. <laughs> but we want it. We, we need it. it. Exactly. <laughs> you Well, like you cannot be part of the problem, right? Yeah. Like you can make an attempt to create at least try a slightly better environment. Yeah. Exactly. You reminded me what my original point was on that Barhaven tangent. <laughs> so we sat <laughs> Me, I ended up going. I uh, one of my traditional moves uh, in dating was like I have D and D prevalent on my dating profile. People are like I want to try, and I'm like I'm gonna help you make a th- level three character, and we're gonna sit in a one shot, and I'll see if you can hang. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great way to siphon through Love people. That. But um, I had a girl that I like ended up taking on on one of these dates, and we showed up, and it was actually like one of the days that it was like pretty dead, mm-hmm. and it was just like one group that was having their like regular campaign, and then one DM who was on standby in case people showed up. Mm-hmm. And so it was just me and her. And he's like, well, I mean, if you all want to play, I could run like a little a little two person situation. And I was like, that's cute. I like that. Um, And it was a it was a it was a man. Um, And like we sat there and we did a little one shot where it was like we were working at a carnival or whatever. And Mm -hmm. like the 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 owl bear got out and stuff. So we went to go track down the owl bear, Mm -hmm. found out it was like being kept as a god by these tiny like. (laughs) Oh yeah, uh, like <laughs> pygmy, like little whatever monster people, uh, and we convince them to like just have him return with us and stuff. Yeah. And like I, I forget what it what it was how we rationalized it, but um, at the end of the like session, we we're like, hey, thank you so much. Like that was great. That was a, that was a fun time. She got to learn in like a very like private, intimate mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. So she was like being creative and yeah, and it was a chill time. Yeah. Like you're. Um, and then he like talked to us afterwards and he was like, you know, like that was really great for me because I've not, I have not had too many experiences where I've had people like I've, he expressed to me that he always DM for like male dominated tables Mm -hmm. and it's always been very like combat heavy focus. And he kind of sat there and I knew that we were like throwing him for loops with like unique and interesting problem solving, like RP solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And he would be like, that was not what I expected. He had prepared for us to like fight these guys. And we were like, no, we're going to, we're going to, talk to them and we're gonna figure out how to like i get that you got my owlbear and you're worshiping worshiping him as a god but maybe there's like some compromise yeah. here we could not yeah. speak their language but we're like i'm gonna do shit <laughs> we're, we're gonna figure this yeah. out like the owlbear god has got to return to fantasy olympus yeah. he cannot stay here so we threw a lot of like like interesting little little tidbits at him and he was like i really appreciated that and like i would love to play it more games that are like that and i was like boy howdy do i have don't threaten me with a good time i was like sir. you don't know what here's you've asked my business for, card we meet on wednesdays <laughs> yeah 100 100 well like we play one of our you know our um like i'm currently in three games I'm an online game ollie strixhaven game the vampire massacre that i run and then we play like an eldritch horror kind of like westerny game yeah. um and that one well, one, the DM was, like, someone Ollie met on a dating app that had only DM for Hi, men I have a type. previously mm-hmm. and, like, wanted to have a more role play focused thing. So Ollie was just going to join the campaign 
um, since the guy, Teddy, hi, Teddy, lives in Houston. Yeah. Um, and there was, like, one other girl, Chrissy, hi, Chrissy, who also lives in Houston that was, like, in, in the server and was kind of waiting for them to pull the rest of the party together. And then we all went out to – there's, like, a mini Ren Fesco at Sherwood Forest Fair out in Austin, and we went – uh, for like Alyssa and Bex's combined birthday and then Ollie was like pitching this campaign and like played us a recording of Teddy doing like the deep you know western the, the introduction yeah. fucking like, like what's Matt Mercer's like cowboy oh um, character McCree oh voice. McCree yes it's yeah like like McCree-esque literally yeah. yeah and so we were all like cool so we're all playing this yeah and and Ollie basically was like messaged Teddy and was like, "Hi, here's your whole party." Yeah, and we were trying to get players for five months, yeah. and I got them for him in a <laughs> week. Oh. And we were coming down. Well, you got them for him in like a day, Dang. really. Finally, yeah. with with all of us, people are thirsty. And then D&D we were coming <laughs> like true. Oh, yeah. Well, like, and then we were coming down the next weekend to play Strixhaven. So we we're like, because like I we, I we I come Bex and I will drive down from Austin to Houston one weekend mm-hmm. a month. Like that's about I used to go down every other weekend. That's not sustainable. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. a lot of but guess. um, <laughs> it's a three hour drive. Yeah, that was like during the Ravenloft days, and that was a mess. But um, so we're like, well, like we're gonna be down. Like, do we want to just play the first session? And so he like suddenly it's like, hey, you have a party, and we're playing um you got a week next to prepare weekend. congrats so have fun with that but it's interesting because we we kind of hop around with where we actually mm-hmm. play but we played a kind of like a gaming game store but yeah like, one like of those a stores that game store has like a bunch of yeah, tables yeah, that yeah. you can rent out Local and play yeah. so like we rent out there's like a room a private room because when like teddy was first like hey we're gonna play in public and i'm like hey, we're gonna play with these bitches in a public setting i'm like i know we haven't met but like that's we can't be doing that um, <laughs> we are that's, God and everyone that's not yeah there's some things that's just gonna be between us i could and not imagine running gods. my campaign like my campaign isn't even i would say <laughs> ain't no bad. way like x-rated bad but yeah so like we are in this kind of like it's a very like fishbowl esque room. Mm-hmm. We're like off the side, and then the main room is all these tables. Sorry, um, and so like it's all men basically in there at the open table, sitting playing with like a couple women scattered in, and then there's just like this parade of women and queer bitches just mm-hmm. go- circling back through with, like following Teddy's well, by the like, way, like Norse like for like game. Norse Vikings yes. yes, like looking motherfucker yes. like back and. Yeah, it's a time. Yeah, the 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 amount of ogling we get through these windows yes. is is. I severe. sit with my back to the um room because I don't, don't want. It's a time. I I sit facing. Yeah, the we crowd. sit across from each other, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with accidentally making eye contact for someone with, someone with like the four hours that we're here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for coming on. Um, we've thoroughly enjoyed it. Please go check out Sovereignly Trolls wherever you get your podcasts. They're uh bi monthly, right? Uh, monthly. 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 Yeah. Monthly. Yeah. Monthly. First of every Perfect. month. Perfect. Yeah. Um, first of every nice. month. Definitely go check them out. Um, and we hope you have a good one. It's a soft reminder that it is just a game. It's not that serious. <laughs> it's not that deep. Um, and I hope y'all have a great one. Bye. Bye. Table Talk is a podcast brought to you by Mythos Media Productions, bringing you a new episode every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at TabletalkRPG or check us out at our website, mythosmediaproductions.godaddysites.com. 
all business inquiries can reach out to us via email at info at mythosmediaproductions.com.